Okay, on this podcast, we are going to cover legal versus tax entities. This is one of my favorite topics because it is so important to literally any business. And I get this question all the time. And it's it's super surprising <laughs> to me how many people don't understand the difference. Even professionals in their field won't understand the difference. And we kind of thought of this topic because we were actually speaking at, at a seminar and one of the members of the audience had a question and mentioned the fact that, you know, an LLC isn't an entity. As a legal professional, I'm thinking, well, no, an LLC is an entity. Yeah. But this question was asked by a tax professional, mm -hmm. which an LLC isn't a tax entity. And mm -hmm. so yeah, let's discuss the difference between a tax entity versus a legal entity. Okay. So the way I always go about describing it is they are separate decisions, right? So your tax entity may be limited by which type of legal entity you have. But so first you select the legal entity and there's a few options that are very, very popular with the most popular option being an LLC. Mm -hmm. Most people don't even think about it for a second. They're like, I just, I know that everyone does an LLC. I want to do an LLC. Um, and so that is, that's a legal entity that doesn't tell us what you're going to be taxed as. And LLCs are a good legal, legal entity option because they do provide limited liability protection to the members, um, while giving you the choice of how you want to be taxed. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that is one of the reasons why, and they're super simple to set up. They're not usually structured in a very complex way. A lot of people are able to form them on their own. Granted, the people that do that typically don't have the necessary documents that go along with that, but they are mm -hmm. the simpler entity. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of people will choose the LLC. It is one of the most uh, popular entities out there, I think, for all the reasons discussed. You get your, your tax choice, you still get the limited liability protection, and it is one of the simpler entities to create. Yeah. yeah, I'm a fan of LLCs because we actually don't have to figure out our tax entity day one. So you can create the entity and then sometimes, because you know, a lot of times I'm working with new business owners. So when you're a new business, sometimes I'll get, we don't have total clarity on, on the direction they're gonna go. They're not sure how much they're gonna make. They're not sure if they're gonna add investors or add partners. And a lot of those types of decisions are gonna change the recommended tax entity. So it gives me a little bit of flexibility to say, okay, why don't we see how it goes? And then we can make a decision because some of these options you can elect retroactively, like the most popular one being an S-Corp. We don't have to file it day one. Uh, we could potentially do a late S-Corp election and see how part of the year goes. Let's boil down, let's distill down the difference between the two, a legal entity versus a tax entity. Okay, so legal entity is state law. So that's the first most important thing to, to recognize is when you're creating an LLC, you're creating an LLC within a state because they have outlined rules for that LLC. And, and the primary reason behind a legal entity is the legal protection. And again, that's state law. So uh, then once we have certain types of legal entities, there is separate law for the IRS to implement as far as how it should be treated from a tax perspective. And then there we have, that's where you hear sole proprietorship or disregarded entity. You hear of partnerships for tax purposes. C-Corps and S-Corps. Yeah, so when you form, let, we're just gonna use the example of an LLC because they are so popular, but when you form an LLC, right, you have to go, for example, in Texas, you have to go onto the Texas Secretary of State's website and you have to file a certificate of formation. In Arizona, you have to go onto the Arizona Corporation Commission website 
and then you have to file an article of organization. And so they, each state has their own named document that you have to file to create this LLC, mm-hmm. but it's always through the state created vehicle. So the Texas secretary of state, there's a corporate division of, of a state, uh, whatever it is, it's a state created vehicle to create this entity and you register it with that state. The way, you know, Texas treats an LLC and the limited liability protection that's afforded to LLCs in Texas is not going to be the same as the protection that's afforded to an LLC in, let's say, California. And so that's, that's the legal side of it, right? That's what you're doing on the legal front. The IRS doesn't recognize the LLC as, as a taxable entity. You instead have to select, and that is one of the benefits of an LLC. You instead get to select. Mm-hmm. Do you want it taxed as a partnership? Do you want it taxed mm-hmm. as a um, S corp, as a C corp, or as a disregarded entity? You have four options basically mm-hmm. that you can choose from depending on how many members you have. Yeah, yeah. So that's basically how it works is with the LLC. And these, this is the these rules actually were new way back when. So it didn't even used to be this way right when the LLC came out and then Congress had to come out with some new laws. But how it works now and how it's worked for a while is if you create an LLC and you don't do any special elections, then it defaults to a sole proprietorship treatment if there's one owner or partnership treatment if there's multiple owners. And so that's where on that EIN, if you're logging in and you're saying there's multiple members, the IRS now has you as a partnership unless you make another election. But you can't then... Uh, then you're gonna have a difficult time going back and getting sole proprietorship treatment. So we have issues there too, where people make the wrong selections a little prematurely on the EIN side. Uh, but then you can go ahead and say, okay, even though I created this LLC, I want to go ahead and elect for a C corp or an S corp, and that th- both of those are going to be sending in a specific form that you always want to certify mail. You always want to keep a copy, follow all the rules, do it timely, and submit it. Um, and that's where people run into issues where they'll think they submitted it, but they have no proof. And then we find out two years later that nothing got submitted and the wrong tax return has been filed for a couple of years. So then just briefly, let's talk about, let's say you have a, a two member LLC. So the disregarded entity isn't, isn't too much of an issue for this, but um, let's talk about the benefits between being taxed as a partnership versus an S corp versus a C corp. I mean, mm-hmm. just kind of in a nutshell, give us a brief. Yeah. So high level, uh, I think the classic so first off, everyone always wants to be an S-corp. S-corps work really well for closely held businesses. When I say closely held, there's not too many owners, or if there are multiple owners, they're family, they're closely related. There's a lot of rules and requirements and lack of flexibility with S-corps. That's gonna be the biggest downside. You have to be very, very careful how you do things. Um, and it makes it very hard if there's a lot of partners to be an S-corp because then it's very easy to violate those rules. So the minute someone comes in with like five or 10 partners or even like three, but they're not related to each other and they're not, it's not like a mom, dad, and son. It's like a, you know, just three totally irrelated partners. I have to very clearly go over the rules before proceeding um, to make sure that they're not going to be likely to violate them. Because what will happen is if you violate S-corp rules, you can actually revert to a C-corp unplanned, which is a very, very bad tax result. Even if you want to be a C-Corp, you don't want to do it in an unplanned manner like that. Why is the C-Corp a bad tax result? Well, involuntarily uh, terminating your S-Corp and reverting to a C-Corp is a very bad tax result uh, because first off, you would have probably still filed your S-Corp returns. So again, we're giving the IRS like a sword basically for them to come in and now you have exposure for them to say, okay, well, you shouldn't have been filing S-Corps. You should have been filing C-Corps. 
and they're taxed differently, right? So you would have already reported and paid tax on your personal returns. Best case scenario, you're still within the statute of limitations. So you're still within the last three years and you can amend and fix everything. Worst case scenario, you're outside the statute of limitations. You've already paid tax. You can't amend those returns because they're outside of the last three years. And now you're required to go pay tax again on the same income as a C-Corp. So you're being double taxed. You can, yes, (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Uh, So that would be worst case scenario with that. Um, Then if you plan and actually proactively choose a C-Corp, the most typical scenario is companies that are doing a lot of reinvestment because the tax rate is lower if you're not taking the money out personally. So if you're keeping in the company of that 21% tax rate at any scale, and then a lot of the companies that reinvest, they know they're gonna need all the capital to just keep putting it in and there's really not gonna be much money, if any, taken out for a long time, aside from just reasonable salary, then uh, it's a great option for those. But if you're really just going to be taking out all the money, uh, then you have that second layer of tax and it's usually a bit adverse compared to S-Corps and partnerships. Um, And then partnerships are great for flexibility. And that's where you see um, a lot of partners, (laughs) you know, are good in partnerships. It works really well if you want to have 20, 30 partners, however many, uh, there's a lot of flexibility in treating those partners differently, the, the contribution amounts, the distribution amounts, and then a huge thing for partnerships and why it's so popular for real estate is when you put in and take out assets, it's usually not a taxable event versus C Corp and S Corp, it's usually a taxable event. Um, so even putting in a depreciated asset into an S Corp can be a taxable event. Same thing for a C Corp. Okay. There's some rules around that. Um, but for partnerships, you can do that. And then again, for real estate, same thing, you can take it out and you do have an impact on the basis of that property, but you don't have to immediately pay tax. So in what, what fields, uh, does a partnership usually make sense over an S corp? What you just said, real well, real estate. estate for sure. Very common with partnerships in general investments with a lot of people. Okay. Partnerships are very common. Um, C-Corps are very common for something that's maybe going to go publicly traded later, or it's uh, like tech startups, anything where um, there are a lot of investors, there's a lot of capital being put in. C-Corps, what's nice is, um, this is a huge, I've seen this implemented a few times where a lot of startups will do C-Corps because if if the startup doesn't succeed, if there's any real potential for that, then any default on loans or debt is not going to be per carried to your personal return and be personally taxable as phantom okay. income. So that goes into a whole other, like more complicated topic, but that's a, that's a mistake I'll see. I've seen before where if you choose the partnership and then you have convertible debt or debt that's forgiven, that's going to carry to the partner's individual returns as phantom income, which is a very bad tax result. So if you want more information, follow us on Spotify. You can text us uh, questions. Again, this is not for you to get specific advice for your situation, but if you want to give us more of a general scenario or specific topics you'd like us to cover, then text us at 214-336-6666.